He's been called the new Manola Blahnik, the next Christian Louboutin of female fashion footwear. High praise for a man who spent more than 25 years as a telephone repairman. Talk about recreating your life. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Live Your Best Life with me, Liz Bruner. Chris Donovan has been drawing women's shoes since childhood, but it was only after retiring and receiving a cancer scare that made him pivot to following his passion and is now designing Italian-made women's shoes. Chris, welcome to my podcast. So nice to meet you, Liz, and so nice to talk to everybody. It is so nice to have you here as well. Chris, I can only imagine that my audience who's listening right now is probably asking, what does a 61-year-old retired telephone repairman know about women's shoes? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, a lot now. <laughs> a lot now, exactly. I know that you grew up in Worcester in an Irish Catholic family, not exactly exposed, I would say, to high fashion in grade school. How old were you when this fashion flame began burning? I was in parochial school. Never thought about shoes before this. But all the, all the girls were wearing these like hideous uniforms. And so they would, they would express themselves through their hair, which was as big as possible in the 70s. <laughs> and their shoes were as big as possible. And I remember seeing a girl walk in and she had the highest platforms. It just changed her walk, you know, changed her attitude. It was like a piece of sculpture on your foot. It was, like, it was an article of clothing, but still art. And my mind started racing you know, what can I do with this? So I started sketching in my notebooks. It just never went away. I sketched for like 35 years. Oh my gosh. But Chris, most young boys at that age would be interested in sports or comic books or something like that. And here you are sketching women's shoes. Did, did people see your sketches back then? You know, at first, at first they did. And then it got a little, people started making fun of me. And I got teased a lot for it because if you were to design dresses, no one would question it. But if you design shoes, sometimes the, the kids would tease you about being a fetish. Wherever I went, I always did it in my private notebooks and I never really showed anybody. Just out of curiosity, do you still have some of those early sketches? Oh, some, some, most of them I got rid of. Oh um, gosh. Yeah. After I started meeting a lot of friends who were designers and they were like, don't ever throw anything that you do away. It's all important yeah. and because I never took it as serious. So I wasn't looking at it that way. Sure. And speaking of not taking it seriously, you did not go into design. You chose to go to Assumption College and major in religious studies. What did you plan to do with that degree? <laughs> um, you know what? It was more of finding myself. I majored in it. I grew up in a very, very strict Irish uh, Catholic household. And I needed to kind of wrap my head around what I really believed and get really, really knowledgeable about it before I made any decisions. It wasn't with the intent of becoming a priest or anything. It was more of a personal journey. Mm. You end up working at the phone company after graduation. And I know you had a bunch of different roles and you kind of bounced around a little bit trying to figure out where you fit in and what you liked. And you were an overnight operator at one point in time, and then you went to telephone repair work, which you called, quote, palatable. <laughs> and, 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 and in your breaks, you would be reading Vogue magazine at the phone company. 
didn't that get you a few questions or at least a few looks from your other repair people saying, well, why is Chris reading Vogue magazine? Well, I had a desk draw full of sketches. I basically had my own office where I did all the repairs. In. And so I would work with the outside pole climbers. They would come in and on their coffee breaks and sit down at the desks. And I would walk into the room and they'd all be sitting around reading Vogue. <laughs> and I'm like, nobody said anything. Nobody ever, ever asked me why I had a bunch of Vogue sitting around the, the office. Didn't you find that odd that they didn't ask you? Yeah, I thought it was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're working at the phone company, and then you finally relocate to Rhode Island so that you can take night classes at the School of Design. Finally, you're getting into something that you've been doing for years and years and years. But you're in your 50s now, and probably, I'm going to guess, the oldest person in the school. What made you pull that trigger to finally follow your passion? Well, my husband had been pushing me into doing something with the shoes. And there really wasn't any direct, where do you go to study shoes? There's really not many places in the United States that you can do that. I figured I'd start with taking creative classes, two-dimensional design, color theory, just to get my feet wet. And then uh, I was diagnosed with prostate cancer Mm -hmm. when I was about 50 which was very young. They caught it very early. Once I got over that, it made me realize my time here isn't guaranteed. No one's is. (laughs) No, I figured I would regret it if I didn't chase everything. And I knew I'd had this passion. It never went away. So I said, no, this, this lit a fire underneath me. And that's when I knew I needed to start chasing this. And we should say your health is good today, correct? Yes. Oh, yes. I'm fine. Yeah, it's been fine ever since. They did it. Yeah. Very grateful. Well, thankfully, your health is good. And so you sign up for now this two-day footwear course in New York City. And the instructor was from Italy. And he gave you an interesting first assignment. Tell us about that. Well, you had to draw a shoe within 15 seconds. You have to draw a shoe in 15 seconds. It was 15 seconds. There was a classroom full of 20 students from all over the United States. So there were 20 of us. He said, draw a shoe in 15 seconds and pass it in. How does one draw a shoe in 15 seconds? I mean, really. (laughs) Oh, me. (laughs) I've been doing it for 35 years. Okay, good. (laughs) A little practice. When I passed it in, he looked at it and he goes, oh, this looks like Nicholas Kirkwood. He goes, you actually drew a shoe, which no one else really got the chance to do. So right away, he was kind of impressed. That's awesome. I would imagine that the fact that he was so immediately impressed and noticed this gift that you had, this talent that you had, he tells you to go study in Europe. And you do. You go to Florence for nine months. What was that experience like? It was exciting, but really scary. Because up until that point, I had never left the country. I was accepted at one of the top 10 fashion schools based on my sketches and based on a letter from Aki, my teacher. And I ended up arriving there my first uh, orientation day. Mm. And when I got there, one of the campuses is in downtown Florence in a big, huge Italian villa. And the interior is all frescoed 
when you first walk in, it looks like the Sistine Chapel. Everything is gold gilt, all the chandeliers are gold, and all the hallways are just filled with this beautiful fashion work from all the students. Yeah. And these students are amazing. And I, I walked in and I'm like, I'm, I'm screwed. I, 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 why am I here? I, I had no idea that I could pull this off. Mm. So at first, yeah, I was extremely intimidated. What was the turning point then for you? What was the turning point that made you say, okay, I'm going to get past this struggle. I can do this. It wasn't right away. It wasn't right away at all. There was a, a huge course load. I had to create a collection of five pairs of shoes with accessories to show them I was proficient in all the different styles of footwear from pumps to sneakers to loafers. And then from there, we had to do a movie and also a fashion book on our collection. It sounds like a lot of work. (laughs) It it was huge. Starting with very little design background, other than my own sketching, at first it was a difficult road. Mm. But then I had a couple light bulb moments. One of them was I was was working on one of my projects. This was like three months in. I came so close to leaving a few times. And one of the teachers came over to me and she She's looking at what I'm doing. I'm trying to do some design work for my book. And she says, that's awful. (laughs) And I'm like, I don't know what to do. And she goes, you're trying to be fashion. And I'm like, I, this is fashion school. Isn't that what I'm supposed to do? (laughs) Yeah. And she looked around, she goes, look around you. She goes, look at all the 20 year olds, they're fashion. What were you before you came here? And I go, well, I was a repairman. And she goes, So you were crude, do crude, meaning be yourself. Uh, Don't try to be something you're not. Wow. Light bulb moment, right? Light bulb moment. And I'm like, you know what? She's right. I had kind of lost myself in the process of trying to learn everything. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I did that, they started falling in love with everything I did. Wow. Extraordinary. It's amazing when you truly allow yourself to be authentic, what can really happen. You then submitted design to an AARP-sponsored Project Runway contest with host Tim Gunn, and he loves your design. What was it like to get that validation from him? Oh, my God. It it, it was huge. It was absolutely huge. There were so many contestants, and winning it was just moving. I was so happy. We met Tim. He's exactly the way he is on TV. Talk about authentic. Yeah. He says things exactly the way that they are, and he gives the best advice. That's who he is. But one of the things he said was, has the world seen this? No. He goes, does the world need this? Yes. Wow. So I was like, that's, that's amazing. That's well, that's wild. quite an endorsement, to say the least. And, and I would imagine that, that that kind of endorsement gives you an in to some of the major high-end footwear factories in Italy. Is that when kind of things began to turn around for you? Trying to find a factory that'll work with you, especially in Italy. Being a new designer, it's extremely difficult because it's a business and they're looking for large designers who have a big following. So mm-hmm. start, just starting out, you're ordering the bare minimum of what you can do. But this factory loved my work. They knew of my background mm-hmm. and they decided to take me on. And it's been an amazing gel ever since. Okay, so one instructor calls it crude. Other people call it works of art. Where do you get your inspiration from, Chris? 
very untraditional places. Being a phone man all those years, I was never influenced by fashion or, or traditional beauty and stuff like that. I was inspired by the wiring I was doing and the fiber optics and the cabling. I've designed things after paper airplanes. I've designed <laughs> things with people who work with wood lathing. I designed a whole collection around that. So I use very unconventional ideas of what can be inspirational. I get a lot of my inspiration from going to the salvage yard and creating something beautiful out, out of that. You talked about phone wiring a moment ago, and I remember as a kid, and I don't remember how I got my hands on this, but I would have those colored wires of red, yellow, green, and blue, and I would make little bracelets and little necklaces out of them. I don't know how I got all of that stuff, but I remember <laughs> making them, to say the least. I'm curious, because your shoe designs are so interesting, who is your ideal customer? Not everything I do is extreme. I mean, I do a lot of very wearable shoes, <laughs> but they're all very powerful, mm. okay? I remember a couple of my teachers stopped me in, in the hallways at school, and they said, your designs are very powerful. And I didn't know what they meant at first. And then once I started doing it, I realized I know what they mean. These are shoes to make you strong. These are shoes to show your confidence. These are shoes not to shy away or be flirty. These are strong, powerful shoes. From what I can tell, a lot of the people who've been buying are people who are very established in their lives. They've gone after their dreams. They've gone after the goals that they wanted to in life. And I kind of want that to be my customer. You know, I want people, when they put my shoes on, to be chasing a goal, to chase your dream like I did. Yeah. I can only imagine, though, as an entrepreneur, you're probably working harder than you ever have in your life because running a business is not for the faint of heart. But at the same time, Chris, you have not only created this next chapter for yourself, you're also, in some respects, I believe, living your best life. You're being your authentic self. What does that feel like to now be doing what you love? When I was trudging off to work every day, that's what I was doing. I was trudging and, and just spending my time. Uh, this, every waking moment, I'm working on something that's very, very important to my shoes. So my purpose has completely changed. As difficult as it can be, I mean, you know, it's not like you drop everything, chase your dream, and it's Shangri-La. It isn't. But everything you do is for a purpose. Mm -hmm. And you're doing it for yourself. It means a lot. It's extremely important to me. It makes you feel pretty fulfilled. Mm, it's wonderful. Well, I'm here to tell everybody if they want to learn more about you and your gorgeous shoes, and they are gorgeous. I have looked at your website many times now, <laughs> picking out which one is the most powerful one for me. <laughs> <laughs> you can go to Chris's website. It is chrisdonovanfootwear.com. And let me repeat that. It's chrisdonovanfootwear.com. Okay, Chris, what's next? What's on your next either shoe or chapter? What's next for you? Well, I'm hoping to start getting into stores. Yeah, we're looking to expand. I want to see where this goes. I'm very excited about this. From the reactions I've gotten from people, it looks like we could get pretty big. I'd like to start selling globally as opposed to just in the United States. We certainly wish you the very best on this dream. And thank you so much for joining me today. And 
sharing your passion with all of us because speaking from experience, I've had a couple of machinations myself in my life. Yes. And it's not always easy to make those changes, but you have done that. And I do believe it's about living your best life. I want to wish you all the best in the world to continue to live your best life with all that passion. Thank you, Liz. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me. Great to have you here. And I want to thank everybody who's listening right now. I hope you have a great day. Live your best life. And until next time, be well. This podcast is brought to you in part by Fast Twitch Media, helping people tell their stories and giving them worldwide reach. The future is in the cloud and Fast Twitch Media can take you there. Be your best digital self. Check out fasttwitchmedia.space.